If you really want to communicate something, even if it's just an emotion or an attitude, let alone an idea, the least effective and least enjoyable way is directly. Stanley Kubrick Welcome to The Mirror. I'm Justin Reed, and today I'm coming to you from the other side of the world. It's a beautifully wintry afternoon. I'm sitting in the backyard at my sister's, collective sister's house, and I've had a few days of rain here, and it's a beautiful day today, although it's pretty cold, honestly, but it's really nice. So, yeah, I'm coming to you from the backyard, and I have a guest with me. I think this is the second episode I've done with someone else and I have my younger sister Ebony um, alongside me and I just wanted to do an episode that's a bit more just super loose because you know so often you have these conversations and you think oh wow I really wish I recorded that conversation and then after a while you think that so much that it starts to like ruin your conversations that you start to sort of like I don't know like you overthink the conversations that you have because you're trying to engineer them into some kind of like podcast in your mind and that's good because then you overthink it and then you can come back to square one and just go back to the point of like an almost like childlike innocence you know like a uh, an open-minded approach to certain things so yeah we're gonna chat today about whatever really comes into our mind and that could take us in some interesting directions and I think that yeah like I said it's it's good to have like you know a bit of a mix between really well thought out constructed things that you pour a lot of time into and then just be able to express on the fly because if you spend all your time in that that mindset of you know overthinking then you'll probably actually never get anything done and that's an experience I've definitely felt and I know a lot of other like uh you know artists that I know share this same feeling and I think that it's good to bake into your practice this sort of just like pure expression without without a sense of feeling like it has to go anywhere or even feeling like it needs to be a product that you ship and present to the world so yeah who knows who knows if this conversation even gets out into the world yeah, we'll launch into it. So yeah, I'm sitting here with my sister and I guess I'm just going to throw a question at her and we'll just go from there. I think that'll be the best way to go. And I usually like to start out any sort of topic like this with a pretty like deep question. So the question that I will ask you is, as someone who is 20 years old living in the year 2021, what do you feel like the state of art is and do you feel like art even exists? I I definitely think art exists and I think it always will. I just think art, obviously, as cliche as it is, is always changing and it will always, what's the right word? It will always, it's always, it always, like, I feel like people create art in order to, I can't think of the right way to say this. Art is ever-changing and it's always trying to please the current demographic, like the current, you know, like art that was, you know, 
trying to reach a specific audience in the 1960s obviously isn't going to reach the same audience today and people think that they have to change their art to you know I'm not saying this right no, no, you are. <laughs> like you know it's it's 2021 so like you I always say like you were saying obviously anyone listening doesn't know what you were saying two days ago but you were saying that you know you know uh everything's art is so easily accessible through like phones and laptops and stuff like that and I think a lot of people think that they have to create art that is easily accessible through social media and through um you know like being able to look it up online and stuff like that to have it be digitally available because that's what this time like that's what today's day and age is about but the thing with that like that method of I guess like method and reality of like production and consumption. It's something I've talked a lot about on this show is that because of that, I feel like there is less art to be had because the mindset of art and artists is now, unless it is both commercially viable and digitally available, then it's not worthwhile. And that's something that I've been grappling with a lot because I see what you mean but you, you said um, some words that I think a lot of people sort of take for granted. And that's the idea of like creating for an audience. And I think the point of art is actually not to necessarily create for an audience. It, it comes from like personally the expression first, like the ideas you have and then how you create them into some kind of abstraction. So if you have an idea of I don't know, depression, you have an idea of um, some kind of uh, trauma that happens to your culture or your society, and then you decide to turn that into the abstraction, which is the painting or the film or the music or whatever it may be. Um, There is less of a focus on that now, and there is more of a focus on the audience itself. And that's why, I don't know, I, I definitely agree that there is art out there and there is great art to be engaged with, but the method of producing and then distributing it, I feel is poisoning the ability for us to have different things. So like you go on YouTube and it doesn't matter what you're into, whether you're into, you know, Gundam mech warriors or whether you're into pearl oyster shocking or whether you're into, um, ASMR or like nail, uh, nail art videos or whatever it is you're into, whatever thing you're into, every single like vertical, every single genre of video, the videos are the same. They always kind of happen the same way. There is only a certain sort of type of presentation. Everyone speaks the same way. You know, everyone makes the, Hey guys, how you going? Like that is like this same thing that no matter where you go and that might seem comforting, but to me, it makes me feel like kind of nauseous because there is no experimentation. There is, there, there is no, um, you know, chance to do something different on these platforms because the existence and the dominance of these platforms means that you can't have that. I think touching on the audience thing, I think a lot, like, I don't know, this is just how I personally see it is that a lot of people create for a specific audience uh, like being, you know, millennials, teenagers, people who use social media and that sort of stuff on a regular basis, they create for those audiences because, you know, people idolize the idea of fame and popularity. Yeah. I, I was literally, I had the word celebrity in my mind and 
I've talked about this too, that the only possibility that people seem to have for the future is I can go viral. I can become a celebrity. I can be a micro celebrity. You know, my fans can pay me to do this. And I always point out the reality that like this project is the same thing. It is kind of me not pandering to an audience. Like I still feel like I am genuinely coming at it my way and doing it my way, but I am still looking for an audience to listen, to support me. And that's like a hard thing to escape. Like it just feels so inescapable, I feel. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of just human nature. You know, everybody wants to be popular. I don't think it's human nature. Uh, I, I just think, like like you said, you know, if you're creating art or whatever, there you want people to see it. So you might adapt it in a way to make it more easily accessible to the masses, I feel. Like, not necessarily you, but the people who want to create art and want people to see it. And I think that's where art loses its touch. I think that's where it has no art. There's no art anymore. Yeah. If, if you're like art is an expression of like the human experience, I feel. And if you're suddenly making it as accessible as possible, you're probably going to make it as friendly as possible. You're probably going to make it not as offensive as possible. Um, <laughs> and, and because of that, the work, the work rings hollow and the work suffers. And I think that's why we constantly need more and more and more and more stuff to like shove in our faces. Like a good example, um, I went and watched Citizen Kane the other night and then we went and watched Memories of Murder and Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. And like those three films that I watched in the space of, oh, and then I came home and watched like half of Goodfellas on TV. Those four films that I watched in the space of like 24 hours or 36 hours or something like that left me with so much to reflect on and think about that I didn't want to be watching lots of other stuff on YouTube. I didn't want to be like consuming other quote unquote content because those works were so rich and so realized and so well thought out that I was like, God, I don't want to lose the feeling that they left me with. Like, I really want to sit here and think about them. Whereas I think the reason why, you know, this sort of online content that we are constantly ingesting or consuming the reason why we need so much more of it is because there is not enough to it there is not something to make you think to sustain a conversation and we had conversations after we watched those films and like about how I think I saw like a lot of similarities between them and Citizen Kane and like not not just sort of like the the really well-constructed story and the cinema cinematography but sort of the the ambiguity that they they showed the like the idea of subjectivity that they present that they didn't give you none of the films none of those three films Citizen Kane Memories of Murder or Parasite give you a sense of like closure or catharsis in the ending you may realize certain things you may make certain connections you may have your own ideas but that's what they did more than anything else is they raised questions within you and you come away from that I think that is the point of art is to raise questions and not necessarily give answers this kind of psychotic society of like constant answers and catharsis all the time like 10 ways to improve your painting and you know um 100 tips to uh be a better asmr artist or whatever it is like i get it i get the impulse and i get that that's what becomes popular but i just think if you do respect yourself and you do want to create art you have to like fight that 
that um, impulse. And it's hard because I think I said to you, you're like swimming against the tide. You know, <laughs> it's really hard. On the, uh, you know, these movies, like, you know, they left us asking questions and curious and, you know, they're, like you said, open to interpretation. I think with that, if you're someone who appreciates art in that sort of form, although usually for someone like me who's mildly OCD something like that would leave me extremely frustrated but I think it ta- it's amazing that they can create something like that leave you curious and having so many questions yet I left the cinema so satisfied yep. like I was so happy with how it all worked out and I think that's like because you know I like I scroll through YouTube and I scroll through Instagram and watch reels for like an hour and there's just no satisfaction. And like Even I see everything is tightly packaged with a beginning and an ending. And exactly. You know, the cat climbs up, the cat slips, the cat lands on its feet. It's amazing. There's a great ending to it, but there's no satisfaction in there. I'm not curious at all. I don't care what the cat's name is. I don't care what breed it is or anything like that. Whereas watching something like that, <clears throat> Memories of Murder, there was just like... There was just so much, like even on the drive home, you know, we were, th- we were like, you had one conclusion about scenes and I had another conclusion about scenes. And then we both kind of realized, oh, you know, what is it? And I guess we'll never know. And that's. Yeah. Even, even rewatching it, you will, you'll have new conclusions because there's new circumstances and there's new, I mean, like I said, I've been, I've been thinking about these films for days now after seeing them. And I think what it comes down to is that you can appreciate the craft and it's probably a little bit of going to a cinema and actually watching a movie in a cinema. There is a, a sense of like, you're giving something up, you know, you're giving up your time, you're giving up your money, you're giving your attention to this thing. Whereas anything that's happening on your phone or on your TV screen or anything where you can easily change the channel or skip to some other piece of content, um, you're not really giving anything up. You have the world at your fingertips. And um, Slavoj Žižek, I think, talks about like how disappointed we become when we realize our like fantasies. And that is like a, a thing that I've been thinking about a little bit lately. But yeah, I think, I think that one part of it is, you know, going to this place and experiencing it and actually giving yourself over to something, having, you know, what I call a, an intentional art experience And the other part of it is like the recognition that a lot of craft went into this, a lot of time, energy, I guess money is, is something to be considered resources and people, you know, crafting something over years of time and cutting it down into a single work held within a single frame. And you can go and appreciate that. And and I've gotten the same sense recently from going to art galleries and actually like looking at painting and illustration and things like that. Like, you, you're right. You can look at art as much as you want. I can look at the Mona Lisa, you know, um, the scream. I can look at any famous artwork right now in front of me, but that does not compare to going and actually seeing the brush strokes, um, going and seeing how it's presented, the way it is lit, the ambience of the, of the place, the, the people around you, like all of these things are part of the artwork and the presentation is part of the artwork. And I just think it's the idea of putting things so simply onto the internet well, yes, it is accessible and yes, it is easy and yes, people can find it. I just think it destroys, almost completely destroys any meaning. 
And that's why people need to make more and more stuff and no one's actually spending any time on anything because people are just trapped in this constant cycle of like, well, that was unsatisfying. I need more. That was unsatisfying. I need more. I agree with the, you know, looking online and looking at the Mona Lisa and all that kind of stuff. And you're not going to get the same sort of satisfaction as going to the art gallery. And I think that's like a really, a really important thing for people to realize is that, you know, going to the art gallery with a friend or a partner or even by yourself and looking at a piece of art, you know, and striking up discussions and debates with strangers or friends or family members is like such an important part of art. Like I think... Or just sitting there and like taking it in, I think, is a bigger thing for me, you know, because yeah. I've been going to the movies a lot by myself and I will say it was better when we went together than when I go by myself, but I didn't mind it. Like I saw some films in Brisbane recently and there was like a full house and I'd seen one of these movies before and I'll talk about them on a later episode, but seeing them with people, I didn't realize how funny and how like upbeat the movie was. I focused on like the negative sort of loneliness aspects of it. And I thought the movie, I've seen it twice. I thought it had like a bit of a, a sad ending. And then watching it in this room full of people, I was like, oh wow, this ending's like quite upbeat. Like it's, it has melancholy to it, but it's, it's a positive thing. Optimistic almost. Yeah. Kind of like, again, you don't get that sense of like closure in the story. Um, and I'm talking about the film Chunking Express, but to watch it in that environment, it made me focus on different elements. And I think that's a really important thing too, like you said, is not just being alone, but to have a shared experience. And it doesn't have to be people you know, but to like, at first I was like, why are people laughing? And then by the end of it, I'm laughing as well because I'm like, oh, this is a funny movie. I just didn't realize because I've been watching it alone by myself. I just want to say that. I understand like art is a different experience for everybody and me personally I get the most satisfaction going and enjoying these things with other people with my friends and with my family and like for me I know like looking at stuff and like debating and you know analyzing and stuff like that isn't necessarily what art is about or you know, a lot of people don't enjoy that, but that's personally something that I really enjoy. I, I'm a Taurus, so I'm very stubborn <laughs> and I hold my opinions very close and I tend to, you know, I have an opinion and I have my beliefs and I'll listen to what other people say, but good luck trying to change my <laughs> opinions <laughs> is what I was trying to get to. Anyway, um, what I, and yeah, I, I, my point. You don't have to have a point. Well, I, I did have one in mind. I just got distracted by falling. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess that's basically what I wanted to say is like, just personally, I enjoy the debate. I like listening to other people's opinions about certain things and I just enjoy listening to it. And then I enjoy saying you're wrong <laughs> and giving my opinion. <laughs> I think, I think that comes back to another, I mean, this just kind of sounds like a retread of everything that I'm always talking about, but that's fine because I'm always thinking about this, but I think it's a certain level of like curiosity that you have. Like I went and watched the film Mortal Kombat with some friends and like I didn't expect anything from that movie. I was not disappointed because it gave me nothing. It was in, in many ways and maybe that it's even worth 
diving into at a later date as well, but it was not what I would call a good film. It's not even what I would call a film. I don't really know how to describe it as just something else. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't place like who this was for. Like I watched it with people who knew nothing about Mortal Kombat and with people who have played the games religiously and I'm sort of somewhere in between and I just can't imagine that it was for new people or existing people. It just seemed to alienate everyone. And after that film, no one I was with wanted to really talk about it because they weren't really curious about it. They just wanted to sort of switch off and just let something wash over them. And I, I get that. I think there's a place for that, but I, I find it, I find it hard to do that. I find it hard to not sort of have some kind of reaction to something. Um, you know, even if it's something bad, I still want to talk about like why I thought it was not very good and, and what the value in sort of like deconstructing things is. And I guess it's a balance, right? You can't, you probably shouldn't every single thing you watch and experience, you probably shouldn't spend all this time analyzing it because I don't know if that's exactly productive and healthy, but certain things you should, and maybe you should try and draw connections between things because otherwise all you're doing is just like consuming and then reacting, consuming and then reacting. I don't think that's healthy. I think rather you need to have a uh, sort of a strong body of like influences that you draw upon and you give yourself time in between um, experiencing these things where you can really map out your thoughts over an amount of time. And whether, whether that's journaling, or whether that's like channeling it into your work, I think that's, that's really important. You know, otherwise, yeah, you're just, you're just consuming for the sake of it. Right? And that's, I guess, why we have so many, so many uh, more people, I guess, online who are what you would call commentators or like cultural critics, but actually have no bona fides in, in talking about art, in actually knowing anything about film and, you know, not talking about compositional techniques and not talking about story and character and script, but rather just talking about, and I've harped on this before, whether the, the, the person was good or bad or whether they had good politics or bad politics. Like that's just such a banal thing. And it just limits the aperture of, of conversation around things. And I just, I would like to see a change in that. I was going to talk about how you were, um, you were saying, you know, you've, you watched that movie. I forget what movie you said it was, um, you know, two or three times. And after watching it a few times, you kind of, you know, understood the movie from like a different, you know, you sort of, you saw the movie in a different light. You maybe saw it for what it actually was rather than how you were interpreting it the first time around. And I just want to say like, you know, as much as I enjoy analyzing and debating over things and as opinionated as I am, like there's been many a time I've gone back and looked at something a second time around. I've gone back and watched something again. And like you said, like I've done it with somebody else or I've just come in with like a different mindset or maybe life was just working out for me a different way that day. And it's just, I've, my whole opinion has just completely changed. I think, I think you can't underestimate the magic of experiencing something for the first time too. And that's how I felt about this movie because I saw it for the first time on my laptop. So one of the worst ways you can watch a movie. Then I saw it on my TV and then I saw it on a giant screen with amazing sound. And 
you would think the first time would have been the most magical, but for me, the third time was the most magical because it was in this different environment and it was around like a lot of people and they had certain ideas about it. And it's not necessarily that like I had the wrong idea. It was just that I was, like you say, seeing it in a different light. And, and okay. So maybe it's not just the magic of seeing something, seeing something for the first time. Maybe it's the magic of seeing something for how it's intended to be seen. Like these films that I've watched recently, they were recently restored film prints from the 90s and then they had an official release in cinemas around the world. So movies from the 90s are being, and the early 2000s are being played on, you know, big screens again, like they would have been when they came out. And that was magical. But watching it at home was not really that magical. It was still a great film. I still loved it. I would still call it one of my favorite movies, but this took it to another level. And I think that's another danger of focusing everything you do towards the internet is that you rob yourself a chance of being able to make sure that the audience gets to see it how you need to see it. And again, it's, 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 it's swimming upstream. Like I'm thinking about my own work that I'm developing and I really, really, really don't want to put it on the internet. I really don't want to do that because I know how people consume things on the internet. I do it myself. And I know watching something on a phone screen, as David's, David Lynch said, like, how can you think you've seen a film on your fucking telephone? You, you haven't. You really haven't. Not in the, way and, uh, in the way it should be. And I completely understand what he means. And I will disagree with anyone who says that it's the same experience at home. And, I, and I'm not diminishing the at-home experience. I'm not saying never watch a movie at home, you know. Never watch a movie on your phone on a flight for that's an it's an eight hour flight. Like, do whatever you want. I am the worst culprit for that. <laughs> but that's not a bad thing. That's just like don't um, like that's when you watch those shitty comedy oh, movies. Yeah, right? I don't. Yeah, I like I download Grown Ups and Grown Ups too, yeah, and that's perfect. what I'm watching yeah. on the way over, and I'm falling asleep. That's what through. they're for. They're 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 to be engaged with that way. But like, don't um. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't imagine you've seen the same thing. But uh, if something does hold up, if something is amazing at home, then that is probably an amazing work. And if you can ever see it, like we're talking movies here, if you can ever see it on a big screen, you should go and do it. And that's like what's exciting about seeing Citizen Kane at the movies, seeing Parasite at the movies, like something that made me cry when I was at home. Like I was like, this is the most emotional movie I've seen in a long time to be able to see that on a big screen that's a beautiful experience. And I would, I would hope that more people can seek that out. And that's part of like why I want to be in a bigger city, like where I am now to be able to have these experiences. Cause I couldn't have that at home in North Queensland. And like I said, I, I go out to the movies with friends. No one needs to, no one wants to talk about a film more than it was good. Like, and we're talking about Mortal Kombat. That was their takeaway. It was good. It was fun. SS tier. <laughs> SS tier. I didn't even know there was an SS tier. There is now. <laughs> yeah. That's where the Szechuan sauce goes. <laughs> um, there's a few things that I want to talk about now. Um, one being, it's very ironic what everything you've just said because I know somewhere in your head you're thinking about the fact that I watched The Lobster on my phone the other day. Actually, I don't. No. Yeah, no. And I know you said you came and looked at it and you said, "Don't you want to watch that on the TV?" No, and I said, are you happy watching it oh, on that Oh, are you screen? happy? Yeah, my bad. Um, 
And you and, said yes. And I said yes. And I generally, I genuinely, if I'm not like going to the cinemas to watch a movie, I want to watch it on the TV. I want to see it as big as possible. But like, there was something about because obviously I like I haven't seen the movie before. I've seen clips from the movie before when I was at school, and. Um, you know, I sort of, I knew the vibe and I knew what was the going ons of the movie. And for some reason I wanted to curl into a ball on the couch and just watch it on my phone in front of me. I didn't want to have it on the TV and like actually hear the motorbikes go past or like actually have to tell the dog to shut up or like, you know, like when I'm like just sitting there in front of my phone is like drowning as not drowning. That's not the right word as draining as it is like at the same time, I kind of just wanted it to be a little bit more personal rather than have it on the TV. Well, that that is an interesting counterpoint and I will absolutely promise I wasn't having a dig at you. Uh, that's just a quote that I referenced. I just figured often. that's... <laughs> no, 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 but that is interesting because that was last night, I think. And that's a movie I've seen on, on my TV and it looks great and it is great. But I can understand that like desire. Like sometimes I do just want to get in bed just with my laptop and like watch something. And sometimes like the main reason I don't watch movies now, like I watch a lot more than I used to. But the main thing that will hold me back from it is because I won't let myself just watch it on my phone or just watch it on my laptop if I can avoid it. It's like I need to be in a dark room I need to you know have the tv set up and I need to make sure the stream is working properly before I invest in it and that mental energy is obviously a lot harder and I have to work for it but it's me kind of semi semi trying to recreate the experience of going to the movie theater like where where I said you give something up you are investing your time in it and another thing I try and do when I'm watching films at home and 99% of the time I do this I put my phone in the next room. I don't, I don't have my phone accessible to me. I'm not letting anything distract me. I will do my best to just power through it. But I can understand that sense of like wanting a more intimate experience. And I, maybe it's just a little bit of like the, the sort of like anti, anti-technology, anti, anti-society, like sentiments that I have because I am upset about the state of things, but it's like, yeah, it's good to have these conversations, I think. I still think that it's not the best way to do it, but there is there is time and place for that, and it is a device that is capable of it. And, hey, if you're watching The Lobster versus not watching The Lobster, I'm going to pick watching The Lobster every time, even if that does mean watching it on your phone, because at least you've seen it to some degree. At least you've had some experience with it, and at least if you liked it enough, you may go back and watch it again on a bigger screen or if it does come back to the movies you might go and see it at the movies you know i tried there's a lot of movies i've watched on my phone and like like you said with the plane flight thing the movies i do watch on my phone tend to i put little miss sunshine on and i fall asleep sort of thing like i just put movies on for the sake of putting movies on sometimes um like with the tv shows like you know i'm re-watching workaholics again i've just finished the office for the 10th time and like i don't even watch 95 percent of it it's just playing in the background for noise but i when i do try to watch stuff sometimes it can be hard like i that's the difference of what we're talking about here is like me still coming at it with a point of joy and pleasure and wanting to enjoy something but almost doing it religiously or almost doing it as like study not routine but like study like I'm here to learn as opposed to 
maybe you who is more in the realm of just movie watcher consumer, like you are doing that as like a, yeah, in the background. And I think, yeah, that has a place too. I think if you do, like I listen to podcasts flat out, you know, like I, I tried to cut back on them and I just couldn't because I enjoy them. And like, I probably shouldn't hold things back that I enjoy. The difference between like podcasts and mindlessly consuming Instagram content and YouTube content that is like not giving me any pleasure, that is making me feel bad, that is confusing me, that is just filling the time. That stuff doesn't make me feel good. It actually makes me feel bad. So that's why I've gotten rid of that. And that's why I'm, I'm more actively, more actively trying to like not just waste my time with that. Yeah, no, I was going to say I tried... I, I still haven't finished it to this day. I've really wanted to... I have a, a, a weird fascination with Western films, like legit old Western films, and I've always thought them to be quite fascinating, yet I've never sat through an entire one. Um, some, of and are, some of them are not that long. Well, I've been trying to watch for a long time uh, A Million Ways to Die in the West. Is that what it... A Million Ways Is to... the newer one, like the family guy... Go no, ahead. what? It's from like the 40s or the okay. 50s or the 60s. A million, or a million like, Ways to Die in the West is a movie by, I think, I think I could be wrong. I think this is a family guy, the family guy creator. Are you thinking about Once Upon a Time in the West? That is exactly what I'm thinking cool. of. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes, I've been trying to watch that for a very long time. There's nothing wrong with the movie. I've quite enjoyed the movie. It's just I've been trying to watch it on my phone. And it's like, oh, I have some spare time. Let me watch this. I have some spare time. And now if you ask me to recite what I've seen, I could probably tell you about two or three scenes. And I've seen like 80 to 90% of the movie. Is that because you're like splitting your attention span between that and other things? Like you're watching a movie in pieces? I think so. I don't do it with the intention of watching it in pieces. It's just something comes up or I... I don't know. It's just like I I haven't watched it probably for like a month now, like tried watching it again for like a month now. And in this month has been me ow, trying to limit my time on my phone as much as possible because I had my uh, nearly 20 life awakening and the whole what Justin's been going through for the last five years. And me just coming to this con- and me coming to this conclusion now. Twenty seven years. <laughs> um, you know, deciding that I want a happier and healthier life, and I'm spending like nine to ten hours a day on my phone. Like, obviously, I don't work, I don't do anything, but that's hardly an excuse to to just mindlessly waste my time on my phone. And I think you know that's a large reason why I stopped watching the movie and that was a large reason why it took me so long to watch the movie is because snapchat would come through and i'm like yes social interaction and, and it's hardly social it, interaction watching it on your phone like that's the thing yeah. it's like you may not intend it to be this way but the the film which is a film made 50 60 years ago was intended to be shown in vista vision 235 is to one aspect ratio film with gigantic speakers you know in a cinema and you're watching it on this tiny little screen that is also used for a thousand and one other things. And that's not your intention. It's just like the the way we interact with our phones and the way that they actually work is psychotic. And I, I've been thinking about this in terms of like, how can I develop work that kind of 
represents this kind of thing as, as a way to, ironically, I guess, sort of hold a mirror back to people of like, this is what it's like to live now if you've never really thought of it because you're so stuck in that. Like imagine if every single time you got a message that was just like, because a message is a, is a communication coming from someone else in the world somewhere. But imagine if they suddenly appeared here all the time and we were just having a conversation and then someone just butts in with something completely irrelevant and you're having 10 of these different conversations at once and they're popping up around you and they're not starting from scratch coming and saying, Hey, Ebony, how are you going? I'm here. It's replying to something you said three hours ago. Like that is... Hey, like, girl, you it, up? What are you doing tonight? Can you, yeah. Can you imagine like that reality happening around you? And I think about that because that's the way it feels for me. And I, I've tried to be, and, and I definitely am like in a better place, like with that stuff, but it's, it takes effort. And that's why I try and make my movie watching, um, experience into a practice, like to actually like take, put my phone away from me that there is me and the, and the work. And there is no interruption between that unless like something happens. And it feels like like for the first like 50 times you do it, you're going to be like, oh my God, I need to check my phone. Like I have that intense feeling to want to check my phone because maybe this movie's boring. Maybe it sucks. And people say that like, oh, it was boring. I turned it off. And I can understand that too. But I also think there's value to sticking with something, even if it sucks, because at least you, you saw it out. You gave it a go. It's strange that you know, when we're watching a movie at home, it's so easy just to, you know, look at your phone and start messaging someone and have a conversation. But as soon as you pay $15 and buy a, you know, a thing, a cardboard and you sit down in the movie cinema, there's no, obviously, you know, it's rude to look at your phone because everyone's there trying to enjoy the movie. But even if you hate the movie, there's no urge to look at your phone because you're in the cinema. And it's strange that as soon as we're out of cinema and we want to enjoy a film, it's so easy to get distracted and to, you know, like I, I think the same thing. But I, I think it speaks to the cinema and like art galleries and, and places where art is intentionally uh, shown and uh, presented. Like they are a kind of like sacred space. Like in, like I, I made a joke, I think about like a religious study, like a, a, like I'm going to church, but it kind of is the same thing. It's a group of people all coming together and all giving themselves over to, to something for 90 minutes or two hours or in the case of us the other night like four and a half hours and I mean it's funny you mentioned that because I'm thinking I never check my phone when I go to the movies but when we watch Memories of Murder I had to constantly repay for parking on my phone every hour because the the parking app wouldn't let me pick four hours I had to do it every single hour so I was checking my phone but I've now got incredibly rude very rude but I've now gotten to a point where I'll check my phone and there'll be 10 messages on it and I will just ignore it because like, I'm like, okay, I'm watching a movie. I'm not going to get distracted with that. I'm just going to repay for the parking, takes one second, close my phone and then check it in another hour. And I think you can get to a point where that's not a problem, where you can put your phone away, where you can, you know, manage that stuff better. And you mentioned being on your phone nine to 10 hours a day. I think for me, the, the highest I ever had was like six and that made me feel terrible, like physically terrible of looking at your phone for so long. And like, I've spoken on this show before about like the injuries that I have in my neck and back from just like being on devices so much. And as we're speaking, you're sitting down and I'm literally standing up because I can't handle sitting down anymore. I 
can't walk for too long because my back hurts. I can't sit down for too long because my back hurts, and I can't stand up for too long because my back hurts. So it's. And I don't. I don't think this is just us like airing our grievances about our bodies and minds. It's more a case of like, I've spoken to physiotherapists and I've spoken to psychologists, and I think I mentioned this on a recent episode as well that they are seeing more people with these afflictions and ailments, both physical and psychological because of technological use and because of their experience with it. And if we can have a more intentional and I guess like distance relationship with it, that we're not on it all the time, that when we are on it, it is being used constructively. And if we are having some fun with it, we're not spending, you know, 15 hours a day or 10 hours a day or five hours a day on it. It's only one or two hours a day. I think that's where we need to be but it's just like it's too easy at this point and people are not comfortable with putting in any effort for anything and I've had to learn that and I think other people will learn that but you have to you have to put in the effort like you have to literally tell yourself okay I'm gonna put my phone in another room and watch this two-hour movie and I'm gonna feel these pangs of like damn I this is not giving me instant gratification you know, in 90 minutes, you could watch nine, 10 minute YouTube videos. How many Instagram reels could you watch in 90 minutes? You get so many little hits of dopamine, but it's not the same thing. And it's why I become such a like proponent. If, if for anyone, just myself, but hopefully for other people to actually like, yeah, put in that effort and to, yeah, not just, not just like half ass it. Like, especially if you want to be an artist, you can't, if that's what how you want to spend your time, you can't just be spending all your time just watching trash all the time. Like it is not good for you. I, it's definitely been a slow, slow process for me. Initially, when I decided that I wanted to, you know, start working out again, start doing, you know, my walks every day, eating healthy, all this kind of jazz, you know, to make myself ultimately happier, like emotionally and mentally physically spiritually if you will um you know I initially like I was I was pretty good at putting my phone down and just you know like just doing other stuff you know I'd wake up every morning I'd do my walk come home work out eat breakfast and then I'd sit outside and I'd do sudoku and I'd write in my daily planner and then you know and then by that time you know I'd check instagram And then, you know, I'd go about my day, I'd clean the house, whatnot, and like just slowly over time as I've become more comfortable with my daily routine, I've slowly started introducing my phone back in more and more to the point where I'm almost back on my phone as much as I was before I started. And it's friggin' frustrating (laughs) because I can see it, but like there's, I'm just sort of at a point where I just can't physically do anything about it. I'm just like, blah, it's annoying, but it's whatever. And that is such, it's such like, I don't know, it might be different for me being younger. Um, you know, like I got, I got my first smartphone when I was 14 and yeah, I was 18. Yeah. See, and, um, which would have been nearly about the same time, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it seems like not that dramatic of an age difference, but the, the difference I always chalk it up to is that when I was a kid, we didn't have the internet. When you were a kid, we had the internet. You never knew a time without it. And the internet is a great thing and it's a great tool and it's a great resource, but it has become completely unchecked. Like I think about the idea of like 
just seeing young people, like I mean, like children, toddlers with screens and just kind of being horrified by it. And I understand that there's a reason for it is that their parents are so busy trying to make ends meet that this thing is just so much easier. Just give them an iPad, you know, that can occupy their time or whatever. But what is that doing to people? And and what is it going to mean for, yeah, your, I hate to say the word generation because I don't really believe in such things because how can, you know, everything changes so quickly. How, how can, um, what was I going to say? Like certain people adapt more so than others. Oh, is more like how is it going to be when we have a, like every, every adult is someone who never knew a time before being addicted to the internet. And that's what it is. It's like an addiction. And that's why it's really hard to sort of just introduce it back into your life. And I'm the same, like the, the worst thing lately has been because I've been on the road and I've been traveling a lot. Um, you know, I've been out of my, not only my comfort zone, but I've been out of, out of reach of like my routine and unable to have access to the same kind of like exercise equipment. I'm not in the same landscape. I've been traveling for work. So my routine gets all out of whack. So you just feel a lot more, um, I guess you're just, you're struggling a bit more because you're, you're out of your comfort zone. So because of that, you're reaching for comforts and the easiest comfort to reach for is your phone, but it's coming to a place of getting to a point where you can supplant that need to consume with a need to create. And I think that's probably the next part of the journey for you is like, how do you take this time and actually turn it into something creative? And the, the worst part about creating is that it doesn't feel good for the most part because one, you're working, you're like doing work and effort. And two, it's a lot harder for something that you make to look as good as something that you consume because there is a billion different products for you to consume in front of you that look good already, that have everything you could ever want in something. And for a long time in your creative journey, Ira Glass calls it the gap. There will be this gap between your taste, which is good, which is the reason why you wanted to create things in the first place. And you know, this is good. I would love to do something like this, but you'll never get there unless you suck for a while. (laughs) And part of sucking is doing it constantly, but that's not enough either. Like, and this is a hard thing I think for people to hear is like, it's not just enough to do it is that you have to do it and reevaluate and improve and constantly be thinking about these things and and not in a beat yourself up kind of way, but just kind of like looking at your stuff and interacting with brilliant works of art that you can look at and go, okay, this is amazing. How could I approximate something like this? Or how could I take something from this and adapt it into my own work as opposed to just looking at, again, shit, Instagram content, shit, YouTube content, reels of cats falling off a a kitchen cabinet, kitchen cabinet, like say, yeah, I'll send it to you. (laughs) That's an interesting story for a five second video, but that doesn't allow you to become better at what it is that you're doing. Like, do you have sort of, I don't know, a North star or like grand goals that you're aiming towards something that you see yourself doing in the future? Like you, you, you mean like, like one year's time or you mean just like creating things ultimately, like if you had to draw a line in the sand of like, what do I want to achieve in the next 50 years? What's one thing? Uh, TikTok famous. No. Me too. Um, um, I was actually just thinking about that. Um, 
you know, move, well, I'll, I'll segue into your question because I had a little thought before I forget. Um, moving over here, you know, I moved over here with kind of the bare minimum, not really. You know, I didn't bring my camera, any of my cameras over with me. I didn't bring my paints over with me. Um, I didn't bring my sewing machine over with me. Any of the sort of creative outlets that I really enjoyed doing on a regular basis, I didn't bring those with me. And so my, you know, I was kind of, that was my excuse to not create and not do anything. Cause I was like, well, I don't have anything here. I'm not going to go buy a new camera. I'm not going to go buy a new sewing machine or any have that shit. But I've, you know, and only since moving here and not really having anything, have I really stuck my feet into the water of, uh, D and D and Warhammer. And as much as I didn't think that that was a creative outlet, that was bullshit. It is. No, it totally is. It is such a great creative outlet. Like it seems like, you know, it's, you build a model, you paint it, but like, it's not, it's not even like that. It's a whole experience and it's a whole new world. And it kind of, it's just like a break from reality. So it's just, I don't know. That's something that I really enjoy. And so now I don't shit on myself for not creating because painting models is creating and you know finally I've started not following the paint schemes that they recommend and actually kind of doing my own thing see I haven't even broken out of that like I don't feel comfortable breaking out of the paint schemes it's scary <laughs> like it's it's horrifying because you know what something that's supposed to be brown I'm painting fluorescent red and that's a horrifying thought and I have this whole idea in my brain and it didn't work out the first time and I thought I'm not going to do it anymore and then I started painting the second one red and I was like no I'm going to do it again and I'm going to get it right because, you know, this is something that I'm passionate about and this is what I want to do. And I think that, I think, you know, if there's no excuse to not have a creative outlet, regardless of financial situation, you know, or what. My ultimate goal for the future is I want to, I mean, I guess probably not like, you know, like I'm not going to do this and then be done and then like retire. This is something that I want to do within the next like five to 10 years is I want to have an art installation somewhere um, showcasing something that I've been working on since grade 12. Um, in grade 12 art, I made two dresses, um, a part of a series. Um, they were, you know, both commenting on different issues. One was made out of pads and tampons. Uh, shout out to my old high school and the wank of a principal who wouldn't let me showcase it because god forbid women learn about periods um and the other was made of uh paychecks and you know those are both something that I really enjoyed making I love making clothes to a degree um and you know I, I have a lot of passion for you know passion for fashion if you will <laughs> I got gratitude and that is that but um yeah, I'm hoping to, I'm actually in the process of planning uh, a third dress um, that I am actually making with my best friend um, and <laughs> not him. Um, yeah, I'm making with my best friend and we are, it's going to be showcased at a fitness competition that I'm doing at the end of the year. Um, and it's going to be a bit of a bit of a bit of a statement piece and that's all I'm gonna say but I guess that's my that's my current goal is to continue with this because this is like like I you know I started it in grade 12 and since grade 12 which has been you know two and a half 
or more years now um, I've been talking about making this third dress um, and like thinking about it and planning it and then a few weeks ago I called my friend and I was like I was like just let's just do it I was like I want to do this so bad and I've been putting it off for so long I was like I got everything planned out in my head I've written it all down I was like do you want to do this with me and she just like dropped everything she was like we're doing it so that is like my current goal that's what I'm looking forward to and that's what I'm excited for I suppose I think people have to realize too is that you have to find out and really explore your own I don't know internal situation do you actually want to create things? Because not everyone actually does. I think most people do in some way have some desire to take their hands. And I have also spoken about this before, but to take their ability to shape the world in some way and actually do that. And, but I think there's a lot of people who are surrounded by creative stuff and are seeing people doing creative stuff and thinking, Oh, I need to do that too but they're not asking themselves the question of like, do I really want to do that? And if I do, what would that actually look like? Do I really need to start some like side hustle business? Do I really need to, I don't know, become a graphic designer because maybe I'll hate that. And like I've done university study and I've been around lots of people who I know have basically been lying to themselves about what they want. And they're still stuck like 10 years down the line in this, this loop of like, Oh, I need to be creative, but it has to be in this certain way. It has to be useful or it has to be for money, you know, instead of just like writing poetry for themselves or painting for themselves, just for the sake of having the outlet, they feel that it's not valuable unless it has some like monetary value attached to it. And I think that's bullshit. And I think that's again, falling into that trap of like creating this watered down commercialized stuff just this gunk that is just like littering like literally like if if the world was a pool the pool is just overflowing with slime there is no water left in it you know there is nothing interesting the the pool cleaner fucking broke decades ago and it's because so many people just yeah want to be like the thing about tiktok specifically is that it's so easy to create something because tiktok is like hey here's how you take someone else's video and remix it and put it back out there. Suddenly you're a creator and it's like, I guess on some level, but. There's a TikTok video and apparently only people who've done like five years of piano lessons can do it. And so I just, as much as I didn't want to give in to, I've never made a TikTok in my life, but I had to do this just to prove that it was bullshit. I screenshotted it and then proceeded to not show anybody because I was very embarrassed that I succumbed to the pressures of TikTok but it's basically a thing they click up and down it's embarrassing with this hand and then they do a triangle with the other hand and so obviously going up and down apparently it's like impossible and I did saxophone for like three years and I know how to play hot cross buns so that's proof that you don't have to be a piano player and you can be shit at saxophone and still do TikTok (laughs) I mean, that. I guess that furthers the point. That's like, that there was is, just a fun story. Yeah, I mean, that, no, it's a good point because it's like, where is the talent in TikTok? Like, where is the, where is the actual, like, um, what's the word, expertise? Like, who is an expert on TikTok? And I know, like, it's, it's hard to paint these things with a broad brush and say every, you can't say every single person on there is not doing it, doing something useful or, or interesting. Like, I'm sure there are people on there who have taken the form and, and made something that even I would be like, okay, that's pretty damn artistic. But it's like, 
really like the the people that we value and not just financially but just like in the culture and create these like cults of celebrity around are people who just lip sync to music like that is that is the least talented thing the least like like how long do you really spend on that you know like you don't really spend that long on it i don't think anyone like the like i'm not even going to name the fact that i know anyone from tiktok because i do but like how can we look at that and say okay this is this is like the pinnacle of achievement you know like we went and watched oh i went and watched citizen kane which came out in 1941 and i was blown away by how well made that film was and keep in mind this was made at the height of world war ii like this was made in world war ii it was happening around them and a two-hour film with like the most beautiful visuals I've ever seen. One of the most interesting stories, the set pieces, the cinematography. I don't think I've ever seen better cinematography in a movie. Like it is just that fucking good. And then that movie hasn't made a, a, a fraction of what some of these TikTok people have made by doing like, you know, just lip syncing and dancing. And again, it's not about the money. It's not that the money is the thing that makes it valuable, but it's like, Oh, it's frustrating. I don't have an answer. <laughs> I don't have an, well, I do have an answer. And it's uh, this, this podcast talks all about it. It's about like tuning out all of that stuff. And, you know, it's not like I'm going to watch Citizen Kane and coming out of it and going like, that was really great, but I'm grumbling about the existence of TikTok. It's like that film was so good that I forgot TikTok existed. I forgot anything existed because it just, it, it transported me to another place and it said something about humanity and about the idea of like who we think people are and about like our idea of like what the truth is and, and who is someone is someone who, who you think they are? Or is it the sum total of who everyone thinks they are? Is it how they present themselves? Like what does it really mean to be a person in the modern world? And you know, I'm again, comparatively, I'm not getting that from TikTok for sure. I, have a genuine hate for TikTok. I don't ultimately know why. There's definitely some funny shit on there and I see them on Instagram or Facebook or what have you. And I think, damn, that's funny. And then I'm like, but TikTok fucking sucks. And like, I'm going to- swear. <laughs> fudging. I'm going to come back to a point that you made like half an hour ago about children- you know, giving your three-year-olds iPads and stuff like that. And my answer is fucking stop because like, and this is something that we both have hey, seen. this is coming from the youth, not from me. <laughs> this is something that we have both seen happen like personally. Yeah, with, and, with people close to us that are uh, younger than us. And like my thing is, is like you're giving these children – something where they can be constantly stimulated and i think nobody should ever be constantly stimulated you need you need boredom to appreciate the beauty of life and as poetic as that sounds and we're, we're we become so we become so afraid of it i mean i've said the same thing on this show before like we've become so afraid of being bored and what that means that we might let our imaginations run wild. And like, uh, I don't, it's not, it's not possible to put like to, to put all the demons back in Pandora's box. It's not possible to take all this technology and get rid of it. 
but it is possible to have a different relationship with it, I think. And it should be there to make our lives better, but instead it is almost completely used as a tool to escape from like the pain of life. And another part of being bored is that you actually become aware of like your circumstances and and where you are and what you're going through. And that's why I'm even doing this project to begin with. That's why I even talk about these things to begin with is because I felt like this probably my entire life. But as I got older, I would spend more time on the computer because I could. And once I became 18 and I had my own computer that was good and I had smartphones, like there was no reason to not constantly be stimulated. And it's, it's, it's a really challenging thing, but I think you need to have a practice of boredom in your life as well. Like before you woke up this morning, I woke up, I had coffee and I didn't look at my phone and I went and picked up a new book off my shelf that I hadn't started yet. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll start tomorrow because like I just finished a book last night. Maybe I should just wait a bit. And I was like, that is literally me just trying to escape doing something that will actually make me better. And so I started reading the book and 10 pages in, I'm like, oh, I feel better because my brain is like working and I'm starting my day with something that's like challenging, but it's not like I'm I don't know. I'm never going to be someone who can like probably uh, actually, I won't even say that. I was going to say I'll I'll never be someone who can wake up in the morning and do like boot camp or something like that. But maybe I will be because I'm changing now. Why couldn't I become a more person? Yeah. Why couldn't I become someone who does those things? And this is my own boot camp is watching movies and reading books. Like how, why are people so adverse to that? Why was I so adverse to that? the idea of like, Hey, you like movies. Why don't you watch them? Nah, that's too hard. It's too hard to watch movies. A friend of mine was telling me recently about, um, how like amazing the new Marvel Captain America spinoff series is on Disney plus or something like that. And I just basically just threw up in, (laughs) in my mouth because the things he was saying to me, I was like, it's like you read the Disney press release and just said it back to me. It's like you went into this with no curiosity and no, like no skeptical eye and no like sense that you might critique this. And when I say critique things, it doesn't mean that a critique has to be bad. A critique can be something is amazing. And this is why, but there was obvious that he, he was, like I said, he's so captured by this content machine by, you know, oh, there's new content and it's got my favorite superheroes in it, even though it's literally the superheroes no one cares about. It's like the spinoff of Captain America. And it's just like, I don't know. I want people to have more curiosity because that's what interests me. That's what I like in a person is that if they have curiosity, if they are interested in different things, if they, and and you get that from, I guess, like putting effort into something. And, you know, I, t- I talk all the time about having more intentional art experiences and the kind of films that I watch are quite challenging and I don't enjoy all of them. Uh, like, but there is something to be gleaned from them. And I, And I don't just like throw on something for the sake of it. Like there is such a wealth of amazing stuff out there that you could watch or go and see or listen to that. I think you can be pretty selective and still and still get something out of everything that you experience. Like it's pretty rare that I'm going to experience something that's that bad. And, you know, I talked about Mortal Kombat earlier, but I was, it was my friend's birthday and I knew what I was getting into going to see it. I'm not going to sit here and be like, Mortal Kombat. Like, 
yes, I probably wish that the budget for Mortal Kombat went to something more interesting, but while we have it, I'm going to experience it and still take something from it. The point that I'm getting from this and the point that I guess I want to express is don't be a drone and don't believe what the tabloids tell you and don't read a review on a movie and make up your own and like just and decide just don't read reviews on movies based on that i mean like i think my biggest point is kangaroo jack has the lowest possible rating on rotten tomatoes of any movie i've ever seen i love kangaroo jack not because of the quality of the movie but because i think it's comedy gold (laughs) and that is, and that's my personal opinion. And a lot of people say, yeah, what, what do you mean? Like that was a shit movie. But I, you know, I've never looked at Rotten Tomatoes. I've never gone on that website because I detest the existence of it. I can understand that people like, people think of themselves as consumers, not as people who experience art or experience like creative endeavors. And sure, something like Kangaroo Jack, probably not going to make it into my intentional art pile, but... I also watched that a lot growing up and I also do have a soft spot for that movie and I watched it as a kid and that's how I think you need to go into these things is that you need to not, first of all, you need to not read every single review and then go and watch something. And Maybe there is, like I've talked about um, curating certain voices that you trust and, you know, listening to them but not necessarily agreeing with everything they say but finding people who have expertise and have experience and have something of value to say like someone like Martin Scorsese who's seen like every movie that could ever exist and can speak at length about all of these different um, types of films from all over the world like someone like him you can listen to him and you can go okay this guy knows what he's talking about maybe you'll go and check out Federico Fellini maybe you'll go and check out some like West African cinema like that's a that's a great place to start but if you're just reading the lowest common denominator content you're just listening to whatever anyone on youtube has to say or god even me like if you don't trust me and if you don't feel like i have done enough to convince you that i know what i'm talking about then why should you listen to me why should you listen to my recommendations you should be thinking twice about things um but if it does resonate with you and you do trust me and you you have listened to enough of my voice or you've known me in a certain way and you value my input, then you should go give it a go. And if you don't like it or you didn't enjoy it or you didn't get something from it, then that's something that you can then synthesize from. And you can go, well, he recommended these 10 things and I liked six of them and four of them I absolutely hated. So then you're developing your own kind of voice and then your own kind of um, ability to curate things. And when other people ask you, hey, I want to go and watch something, what would you recommend? You've not only got your own sense of what you think is good, but you've also got my sense of what is good. And you can go, hey, well, I didn't like these, but maybe you will like it anyway. And you can give it a go. And that's the kind of like level of discourse I think we need to have. But the level of discourse is not that. It's like, this sucks, don't see it. Or this is the best thing in the world. You ask Queen Slay, you need to go see it. And what can I say? Don't do that. Just give something a go. Give something in a foreign language a go. And then after you see it, let it sit with you. Don't go straight to YouTube or the internet or to read the blogs to let them tell you what you should think. Figure out what you think. If you didn't like it, then that's fine. I mean, I know there are people who like the Marvel films and the superhero shows and all of that, but 
I don't, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're good. Uh, There's plenty of other places that can do that. But if you are truly into that, if you do see value in that, then go find a place where you can have those discussions. But if you're going to have them, have them on some deep level. Talk about the cinematography and the composition. I mean, you'll probably struggle because most of that movie is CGI, so there's no such thing as cinematography or composition. But um, do it anyway. Have the conversation anyway. And a thing to note is that everyone gets something different out of movies and cinema. Like, you know, a lot of people... I went to film school and on the very first day we sat in a circle and we had to say our name, say our favorite movie and our favorite director or our favorite movie and our favorite TV series, what have you. And, you know, we went around the circle. I said my favorite movie, which I don't think it is anymore, but it was at the time was Blair Witch Project purely because I love found footage stuff. Um, and, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, really? You know, everyone was saying, you know, Wes Anderson films and, uh, you know, David Lynch stuff and stuff like that. And, um, which is fine. You know, obviously you love what you love. And my point is we went around the circle and there was one girl and she said, I love anything that has Hillary Duff in it. Everyone laughed. And I understand that is a bit funny because it's Hillary Duff, but like at the same time, she gets a different satisfaction out of films than other people do. And, you know, I said Blair Witch Project and like even in my head, like I thought, oh my God, that is way more artsy fartsy than anything with Hillary Duff in it. I dropped out of uni and she graduated. So, I mean, like, and that's not, you know, I guess like the point is, is that everyone gets something different out of films. You Yeah, I don't, I don't think those two things have a correlation, like her liking Hillary Duff and making it and you liking Blair Witch. But I mean, it, I, I, there's an argument to be made that maybe like, a place like a a traditional media university is not going to be a place where experimental film is actually proliferated. So maybe that does make sense. Yeah, I mean, I, my point wasn't that because, like, I wasn't saying, oh, you know, she liked Hilary Duff, so obviously she liked, you know, generic modern films and stuff like that. So obviously she graduated and I didn't. I don't know. I guess, like my point was was just because she liked movies with Hilary Duff and it doesn't mean that she's not a film fanatic and that she doesn't love everything to do with film you know she went on and produced her grad film and it was absolutely spectacular I watched it and it was beautiful and you know I and she likes Hilary Duff movies so I think you know you you don't have to say yeah I enjoy films and I only watch stuff by David Lynch and I only watch stuff by you know Wes Anderson because they're the only two directors that I can think of well what what you love is maybe not what you make either you know like you can yeah I I do love David Lynch I mean but I've never seen anything by Wes Anderson just to use those two references I would guess my work would lean more towards David Lynch than Wes Anderson but I think for anyone who knows my work would probably lean more towards Roy Anderson than Wes Anderson but look him up if you don't know who he is his work is pretty unique but yeah, I mean, we can probably start to wrap it up, but like, just on that note, you can enjoy all these different things. You know, you can love Kangaroo Jack and be an artist, but it doesn't mean your artist, your art isn't going to be some darker, more twisted uh, representation of, of feelings that you have. 
or you can love incredibly dark stuff and Blair Witch Project and maybe all your artwork is like very bright and upbeat and happy. You never know. Uh, I think it, it just happens naturally, but you shouldn't like close your mind off to things just because, yeah, the, the blogosphere or the the consensus online is that this is good and this is this other thing is bad. Yeah, and I think that goes for a lot of things in life. I think a lot of people, like I said this to, I think I said this to our sister recently, is that I've always wanted to get a trade, but I have often, you know, not pursued that type of career for the sake of, you know, wanting to be a creative and wanting to be a creative person and wanting to make art in some sort of form and thinking that if I got a trade and, you know, I became a labourer, I would be, I wouldn't be true to who I actually was. And I think I thought, you know, like, like I can't be a tradie and a creative person at the same time. And I've only just now realised that that is complete bullshit. Do what makes you happy. Like, like, it's like, if you want to go and lay bricks all day and then come home and paint, do it. You know, there's nothing wrong I've with that. I've literally been looking at a brick making job today. <laughs> um, and, uh, like, you know, I love, you know, painting Warhammer models. I love playing D and D. I hate, I hate Skyrim. <laughs> I feel like everyone that I play D and D with or have played D and D with is like a full, like gaming nerd and they're all sweaty and gross and they smell weird and but and they're all like oh that's all the fans of this podcast <laughs> and, and they're all like oh skyrim that's so dope i bought skyrim and i tried playing it when i had an xbox that shit is so boring <laughs> like i just can't do it i'm not like a fantasy game person i i can get into fantasy books to a degree but like I don't know, and I think I think it's just like I like this is just me giving my opinion, saying like don't feel like that you have to succumb to a certain type of personality or be a certain type of person because you want to create a certain type of thing and not pursue other dreams or passions that you have, whether it be bricklaying, whether it you know be the army or the air force or you know what have you. Like I don't know, those are just examples. Like I, that's just I just want to say that I don't know. I think. Yeah, that's a good place to leave it because, I mean, I've talked about this before, but the chances of you actually making money from your art, and this is not for me to deter anyone from making art or to tell you to limit your dreams, but the chances of you actually like making a living and doing your art exactly the way you want to do it, it's incredibly slim. So you're probably going to have to compromise in some way in terms of how you make an income just that's just the world we live in i don't agree with it i'm not saying that's how it should be it's just the way it is and we don't make the rules we don't make the rules just yet but um the thing that i've come to terms with is like you know i've spoken about doing commercial filmmaking and about how like the entire time i've done it it's actually made me really miserable and that's why i you know am stopping doing it because even though i'm doing something close to the field that i want to be in Um, I'm not doing it for me. I'm making commercials for other people for other reasons. I'm not making interesting works that actually interest me. And in fact, I think there is less and less crossover between what I actually want to do. The more I, um, the more I explore my own ideas and what people want me to do, um, as time goes on. So yeah, I think that's a good point to make is that 
there's nothing wrong with having a, a job that is separate to your art. Now, in many cases, I think it's actually actually preferable. I think it is a better way to go. It is not a failure. It is not a um. It is not a, an indictment of your character. It has nothing to do with like morality. It's just the world we live in, and I would rather people have like you know their needs met and to live comfortably and happy happily and in a in a house that suits them and to have a life that suits them around people that they love and be able to make art in their spare time as opposed to just sitting around all day with no money unable to make the art anyway because you don't spend your time around anybody and you don't actually do anything of value with your time and that's sort of been my struggle as I'm transitioning I don't have a you know, I don't have a, another career or job to go to. And that's what I'm kind of looking into at the moment, like how to make income um, for the future. But the creativity is still there. And it's because of all the groundwork that I've been laying. So yeah, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up today. We'll wrap it up there today, folks. Thank you very much for listening. Ebony, thank you for joining me and sharing your wisdom, the wisdom of youth. Wonky slash. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the TMG fans in the in the audience. Um, I hope you. We're on. We're Mr. Struggles. <laughs> yeah, we're all struggling out here. I hope you all have a great week and a great weekend. Whatever you get up to, hope it's something creative, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Mirror. The Mirror seeks to provoke questions around the way we create and experience art. And it's my sincere hope that in some way it helps you in your own creative practice and perhaps your life beyond. If this project reaches you in some way, helps you reflect or reframe, or indeed provokes any kind of feelings within you, I'd love to hear from you about it via the contact form on my website. I really appreciate your engagement with The Mirror you can support me and the work that I do by becoming a sustaining member for as little as $40 a year by signing up at justinreed.com.au support. You will help me continue to create exceptional work, feel great about directly funding compelling art, and you'll also receive a bunch of great benefits, including access to exclusive films, artworks, and behind-the-scenes material on my membership platform that you can't experience anywhere else, discounts on my online store, and higher tier subscribers even get free access to all of my premium films before anyone else. So become a sustaining member and sign up at justinreed.com.au support. You can also support the show by subscribing to my YouTube channel and listening to full episodes of The Mirror there, complete with meditative, original visuals created just for this project. Our fantastic music is written, produced, and performed by Annalisa Vetrunio, with drums contributed by Giacomo Greco. All of these details and links are included in the episode description. And until next time, I hope you're out there creating great work on your terms. I'm Justin Reed, and you have been listening to The Mirror.